I got a question to ask you. Are you living according to your rules and your values, or perhaps you are operating on something that frankly is undermining your health, your prosperity, and more importantly, your outlook of life? I want you to join me and Carolyn Wallace, who is a practicing psychotherapist and certified archetypal consultant, as we talk about the different archetypes, what it is, shadow work, understanding your personal power, and more importantly, living an authentic and beautiful life. If you are interested in breaking through through all the things that keep you scared, limited, and afraid, you're going to really love this conversation. And it's going to come to you after this short break. Hey, Carolyn, how are you doing today? I'm great, Denise. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, believe it or not, it's like 90 something degrees in central Texas. I don't know what the temperature is in your areas. In Western Massachusetts right now, which is really not usual. Uh, I, I love Massachusetts. I love the changing of the colors. I don't like your winters, but that's a different subject. So <laughs> your winters are fierce. Don't care for those winters. <laughs> I don't really either. When we got to know each other and I was learning about your story, you mentioned shadow work. And I was like, mm -hmm. shadow work. You're into Carl Jung. You're into like depth work psychology. You're like, no, 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 no. Let's pump the brakes. Let's pump the brakes. For those who are listening, can I would love you to share shadow work from your perspective. Well, I am an, an archetypal consultant. So what I do is support people to identify the archetypes, which I can define what they are for people who want to know that, um, who the archetypes, they are the, the energetic power that controls the operating system of our lives. Um, and so each archetype, they're very impersonal. They're just patterns that exist in the collective unconscious. They're impersonal until they start to operate in our individual lives. And then they become very personal. And with each archetype, there's a shadow side and a light side. And there, that's just something that we can't escape. When our archetypes are present in our lives, which they always are, they operate out of their shadow sides. And then when we decide to become very conscious of the patterns, then we can start to say, oh, well, this is a shadow side of this particular archetype, which I can get into and explain. And then we have choices about how we want to behave to move those archetypes more into the light. So we don't have to be stuck with the shadow side. When I when I first came across shadow work and just kind of understanding, I always just thought about triggers and feeling insecurities and that it's about stuff that we want to stuff deep down into our like the, the dark recesses of our mind like for example I've met a lot of clients and you've probably seen these typical clients where on the surface they're successful they have these careers and then all they want to say well I'm not very good at it don't talk about that and you're like well what's up with that well I'm not I'm not doing what my dad told me to do, or mm -hmm. I'm not in this position like my mom said I should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, right there, when you're saying something like that, it makes me think of the child archetype. And then I can help someone take a look at what makes up that child archetype and how it operates in that person's life and the beliefs that are keeping them stuck in the shadow part of that, the default, the triggers, right? And then 
each archetype has a path that moves more toward the light. So if we were really going to get into it with this person that you were just hypothetical person, we would look at the triggers, look at where that came from and then say, oh, but what is this child archetype? How does it evolve? And then we look at that and we come up with a plan for um, taking the steps needed to step out of that shadow and into the light um, much more, whether that be, that that becomes stepping more into their sovereignty, deciding for themselves how they want to feel, either becoming more independent if they had had a dependent pattern or becoming less dependent if they had a fierce independent pattern. You know, it's very individual to the person. And I know that you're very passionate about this work, given your own experience with your your ex-husband. And we're not going to get into nitty gritty about the marriage, but I will say that when we were talking about that, very much the victim archetype was like highlighted throughout the narrative of your marriage, despite the fact that you were trying to take care of your children, trying to keep up appearances, trying to maintain a facade that everything was okay. Right. I was trying to hold things together. I'm not sure about the facade that everything was okay because I really did speak up both within my marriage and outside of my marriage about uh, how things weren't working well, but I never had the courage to actually change my behavior in terms of staying, staying stuck in that codependent pattern. That was where I was I was victim. It wasn't that I was not seeing it. I was seeing it. I didn't have the courage to change it until I started doing archetype work. You know, I, I apologize about you. You're absolutely right. You you did mention in your elephant article that you did voice and it just hit that boiling point. But when I think about trying to make maintain a facade, I believe that you vote with your feet. And so if you're still saying there, despite the complaints. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. So clearly you're, because there's some people, like, let's be clear, they just love to complain. That's yes. like the only way they get uh -huh. attention and yes. strokes. Yes. And that was a big part of my victim archetype, right? It was like, oh, talking to all my friends about how, you know, how terrible my marriage was. And they would all get on board and say, wow, yes, isn't that terrible? And that would sort of like give me some kind of sustaining purpose or power for a while until I realized that that's not how I wanted to live. I don't want to be this perpetual victim that everyone just gives me sympathy for. Like, what, what is that? That's not living my life. That's not living my purpose. What do I need to do about this? When I think about, I know there's so many different archetypes, but I, I from on my mind, I'm just kind of just honing in on the victim archetype right now, because it's really important when everybody listening here to believe that just because you're in this state, whatever you're going through, if your job, your career, your kids, Uncle Jimmy, whoever, it doesn't mean that you need to stay stuck. And I want everybody to sit here and listen that there is another side of it. The reason why we're talking about this is that a lot of people, they are literally in misery by their own design. And only way to break through that is identifying these shadow types. But let's get straight deeper into this. I'm, like you're sitting there and you're telling people everything that's going on. Ah. Oh. I can't believe he's not doing this. I can't believe this is not getting taken care of. Was there a part of you, even as you were saying it, were thinking to yourself, you know what? I need to take action. Or maybe you were enjoying the process of trying to control. You know, I always knew that I was going to take action at some point. 
I just didn't have the courage. I just didn't know exactly when. I mean, when you have young children, I think that really does hobble some people's like, you know, you have to take a lot into consideration. You have to take custody into consideration. There's just a lot of consideration that has to happen. I knew at some point I was going to take action. I just didn't know when. And it was just so hard to get over that hump. Um, and it was it was the the archetype work that really did it because what Carolyn May says in in her book Sacred Contracts and I totally agree is once you become aware of these patterns once you become aware of the pattern where you're sitting in a default mode like the victim pattern and that's your default and and you're just sitting in your trigger you have a responsibility to do something about it it's like once you keep see it you can't unsee it so then what are you going to do. Well, talking about what you're going to do, some people resort to drugs. Some people resort to uh, drowning themselves in chemicals, uh, Mm -hmm. sugar, TV. They become PTA mom. They are chairman of the board. They are (laughs) running for office. They are are doing everything but taking care of themselves. So I know there's someone listening and said, well, you know what? That's awesome, Carolyn, but I've got 5,000 things to do. And yes, I'm going to get to it because I know it's it's something I need to work on. But right now, things are too overwhelming. Well, when we think about overwhelm, see, this is why it's so important to, to really understand about archetypes. And Carolyn Mace talks about the four survival archetypes. Um, and when you get to know those archetypes, those are the ones that like we need those to survive. We need those archetypes to survive our childhoods. So if someone, for example, is using busyness as a reason not to address a very serious issue that's going on in their life, I would want to talk, I would want to hear, hear what's going on with them, hear their thought process, and then we can decide, oh, which is the most present? Is it the, is it the victim archetype? Is it the saboteur archetype? Is it the child archetype, which we talked about earlier? Or is it the prostitute archetype? And people get a little weird when, you know, we talk about the prostitute archetype. It, it, all that archetype means is that you are you are compromising your integrity for safety. So, you know, some people like I was living in the prostitute archetype when I was in my marriage because I didn't know that I had the financial resources to support myself and my children without that marriage. So that was one of the things that was keeping me stuck. I think that's very, very common. I want to dig in a little bit more about the prostitute archetype because I, I, I know you probably see your practice. I see it all the time. People living months, years, decades in unsatisfying relationships, jobs. That's where it shows up the most relationships and jobs, you know, other places too, but that's where we see it the most. Yes. Is yeah. you, I, I was talking with my son the other day. And he was telling me about this, his new playmate that he has. He's like, mom, I I love my playmate's house. They've got toys and they've got a big screen TV and they've got all the things that I really, really could have. And I asked my son, I said, does their, their mommy and daddy look happy? And I know that's kind of a, a heavy question to ask on a kid. I said, well, I said, let's say it another way. Do they seem happy? Are they smiling? They're making jokes. Do they seem at ease? No, they always seem tense. They always seem worried. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you just told me about all the things they've got in their house. It, It depends on what their values are, right? 
So if our values are to live joyfully and in loving relationships with one another, and that's your value, then living in a relationship like that, you'd be compromising your value. And that is what the prostitute archetype has us do in the shadow. So luckily, there is a path out of the prostitute archetype in the shadow, and we can start to step more into worthiness, understanding our worthiness, um, trusting that when we are in alignment with our values, things are going to be okay. And the prostitute archetype in the light, we call the guardian of faith, because she has the faith to to really hook into her worthiness and saying, what am I worth? What are my values? Why am I compromising my values? The guardian of faith says, no, I need to live according to my values and understand my own worthiness. And, and that trajectory takes a tremendous amount of courage for someone to take. And it doesn't happen overnight, but that's that's the path. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about evolving an archetype. I want to talk about worth and value because I know there's a lot of people who have their worth attached to the things that they do the prestige they they have accumulated the uh, the toys in their house and their cars their the the numbers the commas in their bank account mm-hmm. and they're like well carolyn i'm all right you know i'm i i just got the corner office uh-huh. like, and well, no there's nothing wrong with those things if if as long as you're living in integrity and according to your personal values in a way that doesn't hurt people right are are you are you living in integrity are you living according to values that that have to do with being good and kind to society then great if your bank account is full then more power to you i'm i'm happy for people who who can have the corner office and have that but i want to know if they're living according to their personal values also then what is integrity? I know this sounds such a simple concept, but I think a lot of people throw out those words and they don't really know what integrity is. Well, sometimes it can be it can be a personal thing. It, it really, like, I don't know if I can define integrity for anyone else but myself, but ultimately the overarching integrity is, is what are your core personal values and how do you, not give those up because on the other side of of your giving them up might be a stable job or a stable paycheck or a stable, even if it's dysfunctional, like I had a dysfunctional but stable marriage, like for example, you know, but living in integrity means what are your values? What what do you want to make of your life? What are your goals? You know, how are you going to uplift humanity? Are you optimistic about the state of humanity or are you pessimistic about it? Are you even thinking that way at all? And and moving more into those realms of consciousness where you're really thinking not just about yourself, but about your impact on your immediate family, your immediate environment, your coworkers, and then, you know, the bigger picture, the greater world. How can you be of service, of help, of support, a source of joy for people. I hate to admit this. I'm just, I'm just being transparent. I had a uh, political social media account and it was often fueled with resentment and rage 
and depression. And what I found was very common out, there was a commonality between myself and all the other people that I was interacting with was a deep sense of despair and hopelessness. And that was that unifying message. And as we, I kind of dug deeper and asked about their family and their background, they themselves had echoed those themes of despair, hopelessness, mistrust. And so it was just an outsourcing and outsourcing. It was just it, it sprang more of that vitriol because th- they're the messages they got at home. And so they just continued it over and over. So when we're speaking about values, maybe some values need to be rebooted. Sure. Sure. And, you know, that's a really honest assessment. Sometimes it's hard to define, you know, when we're talking about um, the victim archetype, part of the evolution of the victim archetype is taking on more of a warrior quality. And the warrior has to learn boundaries and has to learn strong boundaries. And where do boundaries end and we start to lose integrity? Like as I was leaving my marriage, I also have to admit that as I was learning boundaries, like boundaries, great boundaries about this is what I'm not going to tolerate. That's great. And when it started, the pendulum started to swing too far into blame. And I let the pendulum swing too far, sometimes into blame. And then I was causing more harm than I was trying to help. Boundaries, great. But when you start pointing the finger and saying, this is your problem, these things are about you, you know, the blame, 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 that's not helping anyone at all. So keeping your boundaries intact, trying not to blame and putting more vitriol, you know, into the world is very, very important. And then we come to the highest light of the victim archetype, which is the guardian of self-esteem. If you can have your boundaries, protect yourself, project into the world what your values are and not harm anyone else as best we can, then you can look back and say, I have the self-esteem to be myself in the world. And that just gives you so much power. Talking about power, when I think about my own recovery journey, there was a part of me that felt afraid about putting my own emotional health above valuing others. I was selfish for recognizing. You thought that you were being selfish if you put your emotional health. Mm -hmm. And really that's the only option if you're going to have healthy relationships, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the archetypal world, we use, uh, Carolyn Mace came up with this brilliant construct called the archetypal wheel. And so in my work, we um, identify people have 12 personal archetypes and we find out which archetype falls in your seventh house. And so what you're talking about is a seventh house construct, I think, because in order to have a relationship, a one-on-one relationship, whether it's a marriage, whether it's with a um a client, whether it's with a coworker, you have to be fully, you have to bring your fully healthy self in order to have an effective, impactful, healthy relationship with anyone else. So there's really no option but to take care of your own emotional state before you try to interact with other people. And of course, we do this all intertwined, you know, but um, it's not a step to be overlooked. It's not selfish. It's actually serving your relationships. I find that in helping healing professions, therapists, coaches, doctors, they struggle with this issue a lot, despite the training, despite uh, the, the, the the information about the importance of it. They struggle with taking care of their own emotional health? Yes. 
when actually bringing your fully healthy self to another person in relationship with them is the best gift you can offer them. There's going to be backpedaling. There's going to be relapses. I don't want people listening to this conversation to think like, well, I'm just going to learn my archetype and I'm going to know my values and I'm just going to soar off into the like mountaintop. There's going to be some valley moment. There's going to be some backpedaling moment. Back- yeah. Do you yeah. think like, well, the levels of consciousness, we talked already about being triggered. We call that the Kronos level of consciousness. And even when we do the work, the the work that we try to do, the effort we put into getting out of our triggered state and into a more more, uh, equanimous state, that's called the Kairos level of consciousness. And it's all of our efforts that we make to do a little bit better, to see a little bit better. But I'll be darned if we don't slide right back into the Kronos every day every other day. And then it's this constant efforting. Oh, here I am doing that silly thing again. Try not to get down on yourself. If you tri- find yourself being triggered yet again, how quickly now can you get yourself out of that state? Instead of being stuck there for days, maybe you've just noticed that you're there for a few minutes. It doesn't mean we don't backpedal. It means how much have we practiced getting out of it? How much have we looked at the arc of whichever archetype we're looking at? What is that path to the light side? How quickly can we remember what we're supposed to be doing? Early this summer, uh, Carolyn, my my iPhone took a dunk in the toilet and didn't survive the swim. And during this time frame, I was thinking to myself, I'm looking at my phone. The phone's causing me anxiety. The anxiety is causing me to look at certain things that are making me feel more anxious. And that phone dropping in the toilet was a blessing in disguise. So I got this big brick of a phone that I can barely only send like phone messages back and forth, but I'm not tethered to a device that creates anxiety. And I know there's probably people listening here right now that are tethered to things that are blocking them from reaching the light. Hmm. So that would have to be up to them to discern what those things are. And then the saboteur archetype comes in. The saboteur archetype is whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing to keep us moving toward our goals. And we really decide that's not a good idea in the moment, like looking at our phone, like not getting up to exercise when the alarm goes off in the morning. Like that's that's the saboteur at play right there. It's going to take some bravery. It's going to take a lot of honesty to and, and maybe confronting messages from mom, dad, Uncle Jimmy, whoever. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's fourth housework, our family of origin. Absolutely. Yeah. And and depending on what archetype falls in your fourth house will depend on how you approach looking at family of origin issues. So that's why it's so important to understand what our archetypes are, because once we know what they are, we can stop living unconsciously and start making conscious choices so that we can bring in more freedom. We can bring in more happiness. We just have to understand how these archetypes work a little bit more. Notice where they're showing up in our lives. I mean, obviously if somebody's feeling sad or unfulfilled, like that's a, that's a dead giveaway that there's something, some shadow work that needs to be done. But was there kind of like any other like signs where people who are listening, like, Oh man, like maybe this is, worth investigating further where in your life would someone does someone feel blocked 
Is it around relationships? Is it around money? Is it around finances? Is it around feeling happier? Is it around family of origin stories that you just can't get past? You know, wherever there's a block, it means that there's some work to do. And some. Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to let go of the old story, to become the new, the new person. And it, you know, that's, that's, that, that's not for the faint hearted. That's, that's takes a lot of courage to do that. And is the journey worth it? Absolutely. Uh, if I, if I might add, I would, you know, dead giveaways is if you're overindulging in substances or you're having repeated, like, terrible romantic situations or relationship situations or you're in and out of jobs or you know in addition to blockages because I think a lot of people need to account for that as well the blockages that they're having yes absolutely yeah Yeah. what archetype is at play would be my question that's what I want to look at is it the saboteur archetype I mean that's what we're talking about but it could really be any archetype whatever whatever makes up that person um, so, so how, what you do when you, the saboteur archetype is very prominent and you're not making progress toward your goals, you have to take on like a, it's the saboteur in the light is called the guardian of choice and the guardian of choice can take, which is what I did as, as I was leaving my marriage, you start taking small acts of courage and making small choices. And the more we stop blocking ourselves from the smaller things, the more of ourselves we bring to the situation, like the more access we have to our true self, and then the more courage we can gain. It's like this, it's like a waterfall almost. If we, if we stop blocking ourselves, then we, we discover the saboteur in the light is called the guardian of choice. And so when we're reaching the guardian of choice and, and she starts to fuel our lives or he starts to fuel our lives more than the saboteur aspect, we develop what we call the special sauce of ourselves, of our personalities, the special sauce. Oh, I didn't even know who I was because I was blocking myself my whole life. Now that I stopped blocking myself, look what a cool person I am. You know, I'm not saying that about myself. I'm saying that to, to anyone, you know, there's a, there's a, becomes a quality about someone who's doing that work that we can begin to recognize you from that quality that we might've never even known was there. And the thing about the saboteur that I love is that there's no end to the becoming of that quality. Let's stop blocking ourselves here. Okay, great. Let's stop blocking ourselves here. Okay, great. Then what's next? What's next? What's next? Until you become this person that you maybe not even recognized two, three years down the road, you wouldn't even recognize yourself back when you first started this work. I, I love the the image of water. I think water is so purifying and water is the, the greatest dissolvent, even if it looks like a when you go to uh, any any parks and there's large water bodies, you see rocks and all these these huge immobile objects have been carved away through the power of water. And I and I truly believe those acts of courage, those that curiosity, the willingness to inspect, being brave is making different choices. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I but it and I and I know that people are listening and they might think, well, just listening to this is enough. Like I'm good. I'm just gonna go and hop on a different podcast. Like that's awesome. And then eventually I'll feel motivated. And that's fine. I mean, if someone's not ready to jump into archetype work, then that's just great. Go do what makes you makes your life fuller and richer. You know, like it's always here if you want it. 
and we all have free will and there's different healing paths out there. And I totally support people to go in the direction that's right for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I love choice. I love the idea that we are always going to end up where we need to be, yeah. but we, we can choose the path. Is the water? We have be- to choose a path. We might not end up where we need to be if we don't start becoming more conscious of how we're living. Otherwise, we'll just stay stuck. Wherever we're stuck, we'll, without the conscious choice and without looking at these patterns, we're going to just stay stuck. So um, it's the effort that we make in the Kairos level of consciousness, the efforts that we make that's going to take us where we need to be. Now, that path can be can be different for every person. But I encourage everyone who's listening to have that curiosity, have that little bit of bravery, because bravery builds on itself. Yes. And we need a world full of people who are lit up and living that special sauce that only they have, that if we keep blocking ourselves with substances or whatever it is, the world doesn't get to have that part of you and we need it. This has been such a delightful conversation, Carolyn. Like if there's any like big ideas or point, like you want people to take away, what what do you think it would be? Would it be the... The warrior would be talking about, you know, finding your own worth and value, like what guardian of choice, like what would it be? If there's one takeaway, if there's one takeaway, I think the guardian of choice would be, would be something that every person can relate to because think of everyone will have one area of their life where, where there's a some stuckness, right? Just one area. What's the next choice you can make to help yourself? get freer from that place? What's the next choice that you can make? And and take that step and then don't be satisfied with that. We'll celebrate that. Pat yourself on the back. Great. Do that same thing for however many days. And then what's the next choice? Because we're not done becoming yet. The process of becoming is always one step. It always is always includes just taking one step. We don't have to try to cover tons of ground overnight because that produces the overwhelm that produces the despair we don't need that anymore right and then we're right back in the shadow again that's right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. carolyn it's been such a pleasure like where can people find you and learn more about your work they can go to my website which is yourradiantlife.net and um, i have a free gift on there for anyone who wants to download a meditation called embody the divine feminine for confidence it's a free gift i'm offering to folks and um happy to hear from anybody who has any questions uh, please take advantage of that and we're going to leave links in the show notes below so you can be able to t- take advantage of that resource carolyn it's just been such a pleasure talking with you when as i as i was thinking about our conversation before the first time we talked and obviously now I, it it always makes me humbled at the fact that we are all going through a continuum. We're all working through our own stages and to not put blame or shame or, you know, feeling bad about ourselves, but just understanding that this is all a process and just enjoying the experience and not trying to pile on things that don't really belong to us. Never did, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, your own life is is very individual. And that's the only thing that you really can control is how you make the changes in your own life that you want to see. And then by doing those changes, you become a role model for other people. You might inspire them to change. 
So that being said, I hope everyone that's listening to says that you are truly a change agent and the change always starts with you. Thank you so much, Carol. And thank you guys for listening to this conversation. I hope you take action. I hope you understand that you don't have to be a victim or a prostitute or any of these other archetypes. You have choice. And with that being said, make that right step. Whatever that looks right for you with, with curiosity and re- no fear. And with that being said, thank you so much again. Take care and be awesome.